We've been conditioned in our culture and society to resist growing up. Oh, we love the latest toys and gadgets, don't we? And we're always working for the weekend. But from a spiritual perspective, we're called to mature, to grow in Christ, instead of stay young and youthful. We'll discuss that next on today's broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us. There was a time in this country of ours when our children at the ages of 14 through 16 were already in university, running countries and commanding ships. Nowadays, it's not until we're in our 30s that we decide to grow up. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that we are to grow up, and that's what our series is all about here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. It's Time to Grow Up is the title of the series. Our message, when will you start acting your age? Here's Pastor Phil with today's broadcast. Four things I would see that characterizes uh, this per- their diet. Milk, when they should have been saved long enough, they ought to be on meat. They should have been practicing truth and have discernment according to the Hebrews passage. So their diet. Uh, that's why many churches, uh, the diet is constantly pablum, constantly, you know, if I listen to some of you, all I'd ever speak on is how to have a good marriage. As soon as I get through with it, let's go through that series again. Wait, wait. Uh, you know, the Bible wasn't written all about how to have a good marriage. You could have a good marriage and still go to hell. Well, what about the cross? What about salvation? Now, it makes it nice when saved people have a halfway decent marriage. Right? You don't need the Holy Spirit to have a good marriage. Believe me. You notice how quiet it gets. Nobody going to breathe heavy. Because you know you're in the middle of something. You've got to time your spats. You got to time them. I remember one year, when I first started this church, Carol and I got in a spat, and she wouldn't submit to the Word of God, <laughs> which was me. And uh, it was winter. It was January. I remember it. And uh, we got in this spat. I thought, well, I'll show you. So I, I get up in my shorts, and I go to the front room and, and lay on the couch, but I didn't take a blanket. <laughs> a January, you know. And uh, so I thought she'll repent. Because I even walked out the door slow, like, come on, baby, say it. Come back. And all I could hear was good riddance, good riddance. May you freeze. Words I never thought I would hear. I'm in there. Like that, I thought, I'm not going back. I'm going to tell you 45 minutes of freezing, I went back. She thought I was sorry. No, I was, I had hypothermia. <laughs> I went back and, oh, didn't try that one again. We bought electric blankets. Uh, the spats, the, the, oh, y'all go through it, have those times. But the spirit in a marriage, so 
He will change a marriage. He will change you. But their diet. Two, their dependence. They're depending on the flesh and not the spirit. I, I hate it when you call a believer, you're a fleshly person. You do more things that come from the flesh than the spirit. How would you recognize someone that was a spirit person? That the spirit, I know this, he's got nine steps at least. I, and when I'm walking and keeping in step, love, joy, peace, gentle, goodness, you know, self-control, faith. On, I know it's going to be somewhere in those realms. But when I act fleshly, whew, anger, temper, I mean, the whole, the whole gamut's open. So um, they're depending on the flesh, and that's why the behavior. Uh, two, or rather three, they're dependent on teachers. Um, did you know that from 300 A.D. to 1500 A.D., let's round that off, that Bibles, Bibles were anchored in cathedrals, and, and you couldn't own a Bible. You didn't own a Bible for over a thousand years of church history. And you couldn't read the Bible because uh, unless you're the priest, you don't, the Spirit won't teach you anything, dummy. You're a layman. And by the way, we're going to talk to you in Latin. Dummy. You don't own a Bible. You got to go through a priest. And we're going to talk to you in another language. And wonder why you don't know what God has said. Any of you here own a Bible? You better thank God for the Reformation. You better thank God for William Tyndale. You better thank God that he said every plowboy in England deserves to own the Bible. Do you read it? Do you know it? For a thousand years, us poor laymen, and I think we still want it that way. We want a middleman in a preacher, priest, pope. You tell me what God says. God says, I want to talk to you directly. I want to talk to you out of this book with the Holy Spirit. It's enough to make you know what I'm saying. I'm not dependent on all these preachers. No telling what they're liable to do. Let them all backslide. I have spoken clearly, and my spirit knows what to tell you. Now, I gave gifts to the church, so don't kill all the preachers. He did give gifted men. But you see the Word of God, but you get, I'm dependent on the, what the pastor says. I'm dependent on what the Pope says. I'm dependent, dependent, dependent. When has the Spirit of God shown you anything in your morning devotions? You were just reading this book, and the Spirit lit up the room in your heart. And you said, I get it. See, I know, because the greatest teacher of my life was a fourth-grade educated Oki from Cherokee County with one eye, and a fourth-grade education. And us boys know we lived with him. The boy had faults. He spanked the daylights out of these older ones. Thank God he's wearing out by the time I came. <laughs> but God did some teaching. 
and learning and repenting. He did a lot of failing, lots of failing. And as the baby, I heard about a lot of those failings. He would, he would confess, I blew it here, I blew it there, I backslid over here, and I hear all of that. It'd break my heart. I didn't want to hear it. He'd tell me. But then he started quoting this book, quoting this book. Now, he made a living climbing steel. He didn't get paid to pack a Bible. He loved the Word of God. Some of you, what your problem is, you don't love it because you haven't been born again. For you would crave it like a baby craves mother's milk. First Peter 2, 2. But you've been eating the cotton candy and the garbage of the world so much, you lose all appetite for what's wholesome and good. Our people watch too much TV, and their mentalities reflects it. They think like the American culture, which is morbid, immature, and infantile. You can't have great thoughts and watch much TV. You'll have to crack a book somewhere. You'll have to learn something. They, then their fourth characteristic is they despise believers. Isn't that interesting? These fleshly Christians don't like other Christians. They're jealous of them, or they're, they're in strife with them all. The, and the jealousy is they want what they have while they despise them for having it. So, probably material goods, position, whatever, but it's jealousy. And that can go all over the board. And then he says they're full of strife. Uh, You'd be amazed at, at how many issues people fight over in the church, and none of it is over the atonement. None of it is over great theology. It's uh, nursery, choir, how loud it is, the lighting. Uh, I didn't get my donut. <laughs> you know, heavy theological issues, things that you build the church on, donuts. Or, or, or you didn't shake my hand. Well, what about if you were going to the stake? You wouldn't be worried about your hand being shook. Miss Touchy, Brother Odious, the touchy-touchy crowd, always touchy. And you just, you know, someone said they're like a porcupine. They got a lot of good points. You just can't get close. Come on, that's profound. If you can't get that, you're dense. Oh, they're, they're right on everything. They're right on everything. That's why the church is holy wars, because God tells folks everything. Even when they're wrong, God told them. You're not questioning, are you? Oh, I questioned as soon as you walked through the door. What has the Spirit taught you? Could, could you quote me a verse? Just give me a verse. One verse. I don't care how many pews you jump. Quote me a verse. And tell me a verse you've been practicing this week. How many of you did your assignment last week on compassion? Go, raise those hands. The rest of you just disobeyed. Because I told you to do it. James told you to do it. Well, I didn't think you meant it. Did you think James meant it? Well, I, you better give me a good sermon. I won't be back. You think that's going to change your life, hearing a good sermon? You can go to hell under good preaching. I've preached to men in this church that have gone to hell, that never believed the word, attended 10 to 15 years, and they still died without Christ. I know. It's doing the word, believing the word. Well, uh, 
a prescription. This is so simple. Pardon me for the simplicity. If, I, if you came to me as a pastor and said, well, how do I get over this stunted growth? Number one, I'd say get right with the Spirit. He's the only one that can teach you. He's the only one that can subdue the flesh. So if you're grieving him, if whatever sin you're doing, uh, get right with him. Confess it. Two, uh, uh, just refuse to do this fleshly behavior. Call your gossip sin. Call your jealousy sin. Call this strife in you sin. And, and just, uh, I'm going to refuse the works of the flesh. It, it, it produces death in me. Thirdly, I mean, it's, uh, we talk about, it's called repentance. And it's hard to get adults to change their behavior. But repentance means God will produce enough sorrow in his own to get you to change your mind. He said, godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation, not to be regretted. 2 Corinthians 7, 9. Godly sorrow. Have you ever had a habit in your life that the only thing that changed you is God made you have enough grief that you had to cut it out? Sure, sure. That's God's love towards you. That's why I don't think believers get away with much. The unsaved can get away with it because they don't have anyone to be grieved. When you're a believer, oh my, you, you, what can you get away with? And you don't want to get away with anything that displeases your Savior, right? Uh, and so you repent, and then this is so profound and brilliant. Start practicing the truth you know. Start doing. Jesus said, the man that built his house on the sand heard these sayings of mine, but never did do them. The man who built on the rock heard and did. He practiced it. See, I'm just telling you, don't be just sermon dependent. Don't just be teacher dependent. Be obedient to God's word. It's God's word that we're going to be evaluated by, right? The preachers won't get to judge you. We're going to be being judged and evaluated. Well, let me give you a little assignment. Why don't you pick a time and a place next week? Uh, I'm just assuming if you've been fleshly, you've been out of it, you've been retarded in your spiritual growth, uh, start with a place uh, to at least read your, the Bible and ask God to let you have understanding. I would say two good places to start. I would read a psalm and maybe a proverb a day. There's 31 days in a month. Maybe pick the day of the month to read a proverb. You know, if this is six, read chapter six. And, that, that, and pray for the wisdom, the wisdom there. Do a psalm a day. And what I would do with the psalm uh, is do what the psalm says. If it says, uh, praise to the Lord, forget not all of his benefits. <clears throat> you say, oh, boy, that's good. Let's keep going. No, why don't you stop and do that? What will that mean? You're, you mean you, you, you're asking me to do something? Well, it would be nice. <laughs> you quit atrophying. Uh, praise the Lord. Forget not all of his benefits. What benefits? Well, he saved you, didn't he? That's pretty good. 
the majority of the race have never been saved. Do you ever thank you for that? Uh, he let you get up that morning. Not bad. Go to a hospital and be confined to a bed for two weeks. Just, others, do the psalm as you read it. Uh, this poor man cried to the Lord, and the Lord heard me and delivered me from all of my troubles. For you have been a shield and a refuge to me. For the Lord is a refuge for those that are oppressed, a stronghold in the time of trouble. For those who know your name, put their faith in you. For you, O Lord, have never forsaken those who seek your name. Why, Lord, you never have forsaken me. I've never been ashamed when I've trusted you. You've always come through. I'd like to thank you about that right now. Because when you're starting all over again, your brother blank. You don't know where to start. Why don't you let this psalm book just guide you on what to say? And quit saying those same rubbish prayers. No, 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 no. Pray what he prayed. This is an inspired hymn book, an inspired prayer book. And most of you don't know how to pray. Especially if you've been carnal, if you've been fleshly, you, you forget what to say. Why don't you just follow what the psalmist said? Oh, let me see here. Let's see if we, uh, well, let's see if this applies. I just, uh, this is verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Lord, I've been struggling with purity. Uh, pornography's been knocking at the door. This good-looking chick's been looking at me. And a man as good-looking as me needs to look back. And, and you're going all that garbage in your mind. He said, Lord, I'd like to be pure. And you said your word will help me be pure. Lord, would you cleanse my heart? Take out lust. Take out adultery. Take out fornication. Take out a wandering eye. Take out a flirting eye. Oh, Lord, cleanse me according to your word. That's verse 9. Don't do this. How can a man do Yeah, I have my devotions. Oh, honey, get it in you. It's not you being under the Word. It's the Word in you. When you get it in your heart, he'll start finding more gunk in there than you really. You've been living with the junk so long, you feel at home with it. Let this book search you. It's a critic of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Hebrews 4, 12, and 13. It will critique you. The Spirit of God is not stupid. He knows your sins, and he knows your scheming, and he knows what you're about. Do you want to be clean before God? This book is his mirror, his x-ray. Oh, search me, O oh Lord. If there's a lion down in there ready to leap on me like it did on Cain, for there's a lion, Cain, and it seeks to devour you. Oh, Lord, I'm capable of anything. If you don't kill the lion before it has some more pups, I'm going to be dead. Please kill this lion of lust in me. But we take this Bible, we treat it like a rabbit's foot, and we, we rub it a little bit and dedicate our TV and put the Bible on it, the family altar, Bible on the TV. You don't read it because we could see you don't look any different. You look just like the natural men in this area. You talk about what natural men talk about. Oh, you talk about is sports and money and sex and women. When are you going to get your mind on the things of Christ? 
When you go to talk about souls going to hell, marriages in trouble, girls being raped, boys being sold drugs, kids going to hell in our area, and you're still caught up with sucking your thumb as a big baby Christian. All about you. Me, me, me. Why do we ever have to beg people to serve in this church? Because you're a baby. You're a baby. You want to be waited on? You don't want to wait on. See, babies, they, they have to be waited on all the time. Hush. All they do is eat and sleep and cry. Huh? And there's some in the church. All they do, sleep, eat, and gripe. You're not serving me good enough. What do you serve in this church? I eat donuts. And the quality's been poor. It's like what my dad used to tell about a, a poor a farmer that would never feed his family. And so uh, this is in the times before law. So the men decided they would hang him. This happened. My own dad's people, they'd hang a man. If you stole their saddle, they'd just hang you. There was no law. This was Cherokee Strip in the 1800s. And so uh, this one man, he just wouldn't feed his family. Uh, either laid up drunk and never do a harvest. And so the wife and kids were starving. They said the best thing to do for him is just hang him. And so they were all, they had him tied up in the back of the wagon. And, and they were taking him out to hang him. And on the way, they got to feeling bad. And, and they said, you know, we could help out. And all of a sudden, they said, yeah, we could. And this one guy said, you know, I could give him a bushel of corn. I'd get him through the winter. And the other guy said, yeah, that'd help. And the old man, he rose up in the back of the wagon and said, is it shucked? <laughs> and they said, no. He said, keep driving. <laughs> keep driving. Some of you don't deserve as good a church as you attend. Because we wouldn't exist based on you. There's 20% of us, we pay the bills. About 20% of us do all the service. And you come and you get a nice place. And every once in a while you hear us talk about money and you kind of break out in chills up and down your neck. And it's not the Holy Ghost. Those are called guilt bumps. And the rest of us keep having a feast doing the will of God. And saying keeping the lampstand in Pagan Bay Area is worth it all. Because someday I'm going to see Christ, and I'm going to see every kid I try to reach, every kid in BBS, every a widow we fed, every kid we try to show the gospel. Someday I'm going to stand before the Lord. And I said, I didn't sleep during the harvest. I did as much as I could, and I hope to make a 70th birthday still doing it. Because this God is worth serving. Well, two... Write out and share the gospel with someone. This is your assignment. Do you know enough about the gospel to lead someone to the Lord? You ought to write this out now. Could you lead your auntie, your uncle, one of your kids, one of your grandchildren? Do you know the gospel? Well, I've been to church. All, no one's ever asked me that. That's why you've never led anyone to the Lord. You don't know it. How can you share it if you don't know it? Well, to be sure, God has called us to live out what He has put in us, to be doers of the Word. Our series is called It's Time to Grow Up, and this is Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. 
We thank you for spending time with us today, and we'll leave you with our address and phone number in the event you would like to contact us. In fact, we would ask you to take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can do so. Simply call us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. Another way to reach out to us would be to stop by our website and drop us an email, valleybible.org. Now, we do have a lot of other resource materials available there, as well as a lot of information about who we are and what we believe. You'll find it all again at valleybible.org. And then finally, if you'd really like to let us know how the program is encouraging you, the best way would be to do so in person. Our service times here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules are at 9 and 11. Directions can be found on our website, valleybible.org, or by simply calling 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. For a copy of today's program, simply mention today's date. We'll send a copy out to you just for asking. If you would like the entire five-CD set that today's program was taken from, for a donation of $10 or more, we'll send it your way. Simply contact us and let us know of your interest. 855-833-9864. We do trust we'll hear from you soon and look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Phil Howard.